A study done in uh, 2021 discovering, discovered the following debt uh, on average per household. So $27,000 for auto loans, $5,000 for credit card debt, $190,000 for mortgage, $47,000 for student loans, and $10,000 in the category of other. So on average, they deemed that the typical household in America has about $270,000 of debt. That is a lot of money. Now, debt is something that each of us have dealt with, whether currently or in the past. Now, that doesn't make it easy to deal with, right? Within reason, it is normal. But again, that doesn't make de uh, dealing with debt easy. Debt can leave you feeling overwhelmed and helpless and hopeless and, and paralyzed and stuck, uh, stuck with fear. In fact, I remember having just graduated college, my wife and I accumulated plenty of student loan debts. And then we lived off my wife's uh, small Lutheran school teacher salary while I was a student at the seminary. There were plenty of times where debt felt like a tidal wave crashing over us. I'm sure each of you have your own experiences with debt as well. Now, the reason I bring up debt is because I want us to get in the mindset of being in debt. Now, for some of you, you are like, don't have to try very hard, Pastor. I'm there right now, myself included. Others of you, you might have to conjure up memories from when you were. But I want us to be thinking about so much debt that it controls your life. Because as Pastor Bugler mentioned, my focus for this morning is going to be our text from Matthew 18. It's a very striking text. And so we're going to go through the text and focus specifically on the two interactions involving debt. So at the beginning of the parable, Peter asked Jesus, how many times should he forgive someone who sins against him? He asked Jesus, up to seven times? I would just love to have seen Peter's face because you know he was asking this, like trying to impress Jesus. Like, yeah, it's pretty great that uh, I'm throwing out such a high number. Aren't you impressed, Jesus? Because in those days, and, and even still today, the, the mentality was, I'll forgive you once, maybe twice, but after that, I'm done. So seven times, that's, that's a, a high bar. At least Peter thought so. To be fair, we would be hard-pressed to make it to that seven number ourselves. But Jesus isn't impressed. He says not seven times, but 77 times, or seven times 70 times. Doesn't seem possible, does it? But then Jesus goes into a parable talking about a king who is ready to reclaim the debts that were owed to him by his servants. And there was someone who owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, one talent is the equivalent of 20 years of labor. One talent equals 20 years. And this guy had 10,000 talents. This man owed 200,000 years of wages. Oh, and he owed it to a king. Now, to put that money into context, when King Herod died and his realm was divided among his four sons, that totaled 900 talents. And that was King Herod. So the, the debt that this man has 
accumulated is really quite unheard of. There is no amount of work, whether dishonest or honest, that could ever get somebody out of this situation. It truly is a hopeless situation. And, and so the king brings him in and demands to be paid. Now, he, he doesn't have the money, right? Literally, no one would. Not even today, let alone an indentured servant like this guy is. And to make things worse, since he can't pay his debts, the king says that not only him, but his wife and his children are going to be sold to pay against what is owed. I mean, the situation really is as bad as could be. But this man gets down on his knees and he pleads with the king, asking for patience to pay back the loan. And this king inexplicably forgives this debt. Out of the king's pity, this debt is forgiven. This debt that is larger than a nation's debt is just forgiven. I mean, if all your debts were forgiven, I think you'd be a little bit happy, right? You know, your vehicles, forgiven. Your mortgage, paid off. Your credit card loans, poof, gone. All of your debt disappeared. I mean, you'd be, you'd be celebrating. You'd be calling your friends and family. You'd throw a party. I mean, at least I would. But not this man. In fact, on the way out of the king's palace, he sees someone who owes him 100 denarii, which to put that into context is $2.87 U.S. standard. And he goes to this man, and upon seeing him, he begins to choke this man. He chokes this man over about $3. Now, the very obvious thing is, how can this man who has an unfathomably large debt, how is he not showing mercy to this man who owes him a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of his debt that was just forgiven. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So I want to focus first on a smaller detail. The reaction of this man. Upon seeing him, he begins to choke him, demanding he be paid back what is owed. Again, he himself has just had immeasurable debt forgiven. And if you think about the king, the king was gentle with him. He did not deal with him in anger. Yet this man, his immediate response is to show him anger. To quite literally choke every penny owed out of this man. That doesn't make sense. How can someone who has had this huge debt forgiven turn around and demand such a small payment out of somebody else who owes him such a small payment? I think the answer lies in one key sentence earlier in the text. When the king demands to be paid, this is what the servant says. Have patience with me, and I will pay you back for everything. This servant thought that he could pay back his debt. His debt would take multiple lifetimes to pay back, but he thought he could pay it back. He either had a disconnect from reality or he wasn't being honest with how big his debt really was. I mean, just notice, he doesn't ask the king 
for his debt to be forgiven. He asks for patience to pay it back. Now this king, he wasn't a fool, right? He released him from prison and he let him go, not because he was expecting to be repaid by this man. He forgave his debt knowing he would never see a penny. The king did not leave that experience with the expectation of repayment. He let him go because he was a gracious king. The debt being forgiven had nothing to do with the man. It had everything to do with the king. But this man did not have that mindset. He left there thinking, I need to make my debt up to the king. So everybody who owes me, they're going to have to pay me back too. That was his mindset. Now obviously this parable is not about financial or monetary debt. It's about forgiveness. And so when we think about this parable, I, I, I think there are two categories that we ourselves tend to fall into. Both of them having to do with paying debt back. The first category is you understand your debt, the, the sin that you have acquired before God. You understand just how much debt, just how much sin you have committed. And you feel guilt. And you know that you could never pay that off even in a hundred lifetimes. But that doesn't mean you don't try. Because maybe it's hard for you to accept the fact that your debt is paid. And so you do, you know you can never fully pay back the king, but you try to just pay back a little bit. You try to give him what you can. You try to make up for your sins before God. You, you hate the fact that you've accumulated so much sin, and so you want to do what you can just to whittle that down a bit. That's the first category. You feel guilt and you have a hard time accepting that your debt is truly paid. Maybe we fall into the second category of not fully understanding how big our debt was. That's just like the servant in our parable. The servant thought that he could pay back his debt. This, this huge debt that would take 200 years of wages to pay back. He clearly did not have a grasp of the reality of the situation. Similarly, we tend to not always have a true understanding or appreciation of how big our debt was before God. We can forget about that debt sometimes. And when we forget how large our debt was, we don't appreciate that it was forgiven. And what happens as a result? Well, we act like the servant in the parable, the one who chokes someone out in other words, when others treat us poorly, instead of forgiving them the way we've been forgiven, we treat them poorly. When we lose sight of how big our debt was and that it was forgiven, well, guess what? The, other, the, the debts that other people accumulate against us, those can seem pretty big. With both of these mentalities, there are, there are problems. They miss the gift of grace. They miss the point that your huge debt was forgiven. It's been paid for. 
And so the person who feels guilt over their sin, who, who wants to find some way just to, to pay God back a little bit of what he's, uh, of the debt that's been forgiven, know this, you cannot pay God back. There is nothing you could ever do. He just wants you to accept the fact that your debt was completely forgiven and paid for by Jesus. God doesn't want you to have a life filled with guilt that wants to somehow make it up to God. Your debt is forgiven. You don't need to feel that way. It's the gift of grace. And to the person who forgets their debt or, or thinks that their debt isn't too big, just remember, your debt was immeasurably large. Larger than the person in the parable. You could never, ever pay off that debt. No amount of patience on God's end is giving you enough time to pay off your sin before an almighty and righteous God. Only God's grace, only God's forgiveness through Jesus' death on the cross, only the mercy of the King could ever erase that debt. When you understand the huge debt that you've been forgiven, it helps you to forgive others. So with whichever one of these you find yourself more aligned to, the same truth applies. Your debt has been paid for by Jesus. It's been forgiven. You, you have assumed such a great debt it could never be paid off. But the king has had pity on you. Your forgiveness has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the king. And no, you don't deserve it. You can never have earned it, and you can't pay it back. It's simply a free gift. Now look, I, I know everyone here, if given the chance, would have their, their financial debt forgiven in a heartbeat and never look back. But let me just say, don't forget about this debt before God, right? Remember it because it was great. Now, I'm not saying to hold on to it. Don't be defined by it, right? God doesn't want guilt for us, but if we forget the debt that's been forgiven, then we're going to hold people like the, we're going to hold people accountable to their debt. We're not going to remember the amazing debt that we've had forgiven. So, so remember your debt. Take that heart of thankfulness and share it when others wrong you. Because others will wrong you. Others will hurt you. But don't hold it against them. Don't let their past offenses dictate your future actions towards them. That is what forgiveness is. You see, forgiveness is a choice. There is nothing natural about forgiveness. It's not the easy thing to do. It's a choice. The merciful king chooses to forgive you. Forgive others with the forgiveness that you've been shown. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, our sin has racked up a bill that we could never ever hope to pay off. And that bill would, would cause us to spend eternity apart from you. It is only because of Jesus paying off that bill on the cross, paying for our sins, that we are with you and we will be with you in heaven. Lord, thank you for paying off our debt. Help us to forgive the debts of those who sin against us. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue with song.